Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of gastroesophageal reflux in infants, found under the pediatric section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. An 8-month-old girl is brought to the pediatrician by her parents for a well-baby visit. The parents report that their only concern is that the patient spits up her food. The parents say that she is exclusively breastfed and denies any increased irritability, abnormal behavior, diarrhea, or vomiting. Physical exam is unremarkable. Parent education and recommendations are implemented. Let's continue with an introduction to gastroesophageal reflux in infants. Clinically, this is defined as gastric contents going into the esophagus in the absence of pathologic consequences. Remember that this is a normal physiologic process that occurs in infants, children, and adults. Note that gastroesophageal reflux disease results in pathologic consequences such as esophagitis. In terms of the epidemiology, this is very common in infants and the frequency decreases with increasing age. With regards to the pathogenesis, there is transient lower esophageal sphincter relaxation. Moving on to the presentation, the main symptom will be spitting up. Remember that healthy infants are sometimes called quote-unquote healthy spitters. On exam, there will typically be a normal physical exam. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about GERD. Symptoms for GERD may include failure to thrive, feeding difficulties, arching of the back, and irritability. Complications of GERD may include esophagitis, bare esophagus, strictures, and adenocarcinoma and severe GERD. And in terms of the diagnostic criteria, remember that this is a clinical diagnosis. With regards to treatment, conservative options include increasing caloric density while decreasing feeding volume. This may be helpful in patients with gastroesophageal reflux. Another option is thickening foods. Remember that thickening the feeds with agents such as rice cereal will increase the caloric density of the feeds and may decrease reflux in gastroesophageal reflux. With regards to complications, remember that by definition, gastroesophageal reflux is considered in the setting of reflux without pathological consequences. And lastly, with regards to prognosis, remember that uncomplicated gastroesophageal reflux has a favorable prognosis because the infant will quote-unquote outgrow the frequency of regurgitation. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to gastroesophageal reflux in infants, let's walk through a question to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For this question, consider the following clinical scenario. An eight-week-old boy presents with his mother to the pediatrician for a well visit. The patient has been breastfed since birth and usually feeds for 30 minutes every two to three hours. The patient's mother is concerned that her milk production is not keeping up with the patient's nutritional requirements. She reports that about two weeks ago, the patient began regurgitating breast milk through his nose and mouth after some feeds. He seems mildly upset during the episodes of regurgitation, but usually settles down quickly and is hungry again soon afterwards. His mother has already tried limiting the volume of each feed, which seems to have reduced the frequency of regurgitation. She denies any diarrhea hematochesia, or family history of food allergies. Her older son had a similar problem with vomiting that resolved around 12 months of age. Four weeks ago, the patient's height and weight were in the 40th and 34th percentiles respectively. 
his height and weight are now respectively in the 37th and 36th percentiles. His temperature is 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit, or 37 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 72 over 49. Pulse is 121 beats per minute, and respirations are 32 breaths per minute. On exam, the patient is cooing in his mother's lap and smiles reciprocally with her. He lifts his head and shoulders off the examination table when placed in the supine position. His abdomen is soft, non-tender, and non-distended. Bowel sounds are normal active. Which of the following is the most appropriate next step in management? And the answer choices are... Choice 1. Initiate proton pump inhibitor. Choice 2. Obtain abdominal ultrasound. Choice 3. Reassurance and counseling on positioning. Choice 4. Recommend modification of mother's diet. Or choice 5. Switch to hydrolyzed formula. The best answer to this question is choice 3. Reassurance and counseling on positioning. This patient presents with regurgitation after feeding, appropriate appetite after episodes of regurgitation, and good weight gain, which suggests a diagnosis of uncomplicated gastroesophageal reflux. The most appropriate next step in management is reassurance and counseling on proper positioning. Physiologic or uncomplicated gastroesophageal reflux usually presents in patients in the first few months of life with frequent regurgitation or vomiting, sustained appetite after regurgitation, and minimal irritability. The most appropriate first step in management is reassurance and counseling parents to position patients upright 20 to 30 minutes after feeding. For patients with persistent symptoms, parents should be encouraged to provide lower volume feeds more frequently throughout the day and consider a milk-free diet to address possible underlying cow's milk allergy. Treatment with the proton pump inhibitor is reserved for intractable cases. For most patients, gastroesophageal reflux self-resolves by one year of age. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Initiating a proton pump inhibitor is appropriate for infants with gastroesophageal reflux disease who have failed management with lifestyle changes. This patient has uncomplicated gastroesophageal reflux without any signs of feeding refusal, worsening irritability, or nutritional compromise. Choice 2. Obtaining an abdominal ultrasound would evaluate for pyloric stenosis, which presents with non-bilious projectile vomiting rather than the regurgitation that this patient's mother is describing. An abdominal ultrasound would be appropriate next step in management for patients who present with a description of more forceful vomiting or have a classic quote-unquote olive-shaped mass in the epigastrium on physical exam. Choice 4. Recommending modification of the mother's diet would be appropriate if the patient had more severe symptoms that were refractory to lifestyle changes. It would also be appropriate if the patient had signs of an underlying allergy to cow's milk or soy protein, such as blood streak stools. Choice 5. Switching to a hydrolyzed formula would be appropriate for formula-fed patients with refractory symptoms of gastroesophageal reflux disease or signs of an allergy to cow's milk or soy protein. Unless the patient has evidence of severe nutritional compromise, continued breastfeeding should be encouraged for breastfed patients with possible modification of the mother's diet to eliminate cow's milk or soy if an allergy is suspected. Finally, a bullet summary. Uncomplicated gastroesophageal reflux in infants 
should be treated with reassurance and counseling to position the infant upright for 20 to 30 minutes after feeding. That's all for this review about gastroesophageal reflux in infants. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.